Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. The cold weather has hit California, and for many Californians, that means the smell of warm tamales wafting through the house. I wanted to learn more about this iconic dish and its evolution in California. So today, Bill Esparza, author of L.A. Mexicano, a cookbook that highlights L.A.'s rich and complex Mexican food culture, is here to share his knowledge with us. Hey, Bill, thanks for joining us. Great to be here. I grew up making tamales with the women in my family, and they're from Sinaloa, Mexico. So to me... Oh, yeah. Yeah, so to me, their tamale recipes seem to follow that traditional Mexican recipe, you know, the masa, red meat, or corn, depending on what we were feeling, uh, all wrapped up in a corn husk. But I've recently learned that not all tamales are made the same. I'm curious how your family has made tamales over the years and if you've played any role in making them. And what is that, if you have? Well, my role was... Uh, not being able to make them. That was oh. my, <laughs> my grandmother, you know, was from Aguascalientes okay. and in her house, I actually did ask one year to help. I want to say I was in high school <laughs> and I wanted to learn and she didn't like it at all. Oh, no. And she was very, she's getting sort of, you know, grouchy with me. And then when I, I did one and she just grabbed it from me. She says, no, you're not doing it right. She goes, you know what? You sit here. She goes, you eat the tamales. I make them. Wow. And that's, yeah, it was sort of forbidden. <laughs> I wasn't allowed. But my grandmother, she was making tamales using the ingredients that were available in Stockton, California. And they were corn husk. And, you know, they were guisados. I don't know that they were regional, like the way they would make them back in Aguascalientes, just because they wouldn't have had all the ingredients. I'm so impressed that she would make that all on her own. In our family, it was like a five-person job. That's insane. Yeah, she did let my dad help her because my dad was actually a very good cook. Um, So you also lived in L.A. for a while. um, And as I understand it, the culture around tamales dates back over 50 decades there when tamale carts were more popular than hot dog stands. Can you tell me a little bit about that evolution? Yeah, there's documentation going back to the late 1800s, and definitely the 20th century saw carts selling tamales, and tamales were really spreading not just in L.A., but across the United States. But this area was part of Mexico since 1821. Tamales had to be here before that. Right. Tamales were around. They had to be. You know, it's one of the oldest Mexican foods. It's an indigenous dish that, that goes back thousands of years. And they were very popular and so popular. There was all kinds of movements 
to shut down vendors. Just like, you know, it's, it really hasn't changed, has it? Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> LA is still Truly. trying to ruin our traditions and ruin our, our fun and our, our access to these incredible vendors. And I know you mentioned that, you know, like California was Mexico before it was California. But in your book, you write about Mexican food and this phenomenon in California and really the nation. Why do you think it's gained such popularity across ethnic groups in the country? Well, I mean, it 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 comes down to flavor. So it's got those basic flavors that, you know, they're always there. Chiles, of course, is, is, is one of those flavors. It's been popular because it's it's good, but the Mexican culture has always been so strong here in uh, Los Angeles. This is sort of like the first city of Mexican culture in the United States. It, it had the tamale, uh, tamales uh, carts, you know, really early on, and it had the food really early on. And and so this this food that is spread out all over the United States, it really begins with Los Angeles Mexican American culture. Is it tamal or is it tamales? Because I've seen well, some Twitter disputes. In Mexico, I always say tamal. Tamal is singular in Spanish. And tamales, of course, plural. But tamale is also used by Black Americans in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, mm. Black tamales are very, you know, red hot tamales of the Mississippi Delta are very famous. So in the Black community... And the Mexican-American community, tamale is correct. So it is correct. They're both correct, you know? Okay. They're, 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 it's cultural. <laughs> right. Interchangeable, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a difference, right, between Mexican tamales and, you know, the other parts of Central America. Which would you say you prefer? I mean, I like them all. Yes, the Central American ones are different. We have Salvadoran ones here. You can get... Hondurans tamales here. Um, you can get Mex, you know, different kinds. Mexico has different tamales in every state, mm -hmm. and some states even have multiple versions within that state. So, but honestly, when somebody makes a good, a good corn husk tamal, that brings me back to my childhood. Yeah, you know, so it's when I can find those ones. I'm really picky about because. I think, first of all, a lot of people don't make them very good. And so I've been tracking down people. I think the people here in L.A. from Sinaloa do a great job. There's a restaurant called Sinaloa Express. Ooh. And you can get the real Sinaloa tamales from them. And, you know, like I said, people who sell them from their Facebook pages. That was Bill Esparza, author of L.A. Mexicano. Thanks so much for joining us, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randadid Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. 
That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, December 23rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Brendan Willard, Jim Bennett, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Amanda Stupai and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our interim director of news is Ki Sung. Our vice president of news is Ethan Tovin Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, which bets early on exceptional people making the world better, on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.